Well, good afternoon, all. Seems a little dark in here without that bright sun lighting up the skylight. It's electric lights do some. But uh, I think what we're seeing here in this cloudiness is the beginnings of the tail end of, or the beginning at least, not the tail end, of that hurricane that's about to hit off the coast of San Diego and L.A. And they're expecting to have a lot of floods down there. Uh, so we usually, if something comes in that close, it drifts on over here. So we may get rain in the next day or two. I guess after what we've had this late July and August, it's a, a little thought of do we want rain or not. <laughs> but so far in the desert, I have never complained about rain yet, and I hope that I don't. It always is needed. So anyway, uh, we need to be prepared. I think we are fairly prepared now for more of it as it does come. We uh, have a special event coming up here just uh, before potluck after services. Uh, an old man has died and wants to be made into a new man, so we'll have a baptism uh, right after the service is over. Well, we began a foray into Isaiah last week, and today we'll dive back into it. He has a very frightening message, and at the same time a very comforting message, depending on who you are and where you stand. So, hopefully we're always on the right and the comforting side of this. But he warned us in the first two chapters last week that our people, our government, uh, this nation is in serious trouble and that God is going to punish it greatly. And he picks that up in chapter 3. He says, For behold, the eternal, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. Now, this is not prophecy. This is current events. Uh, as you well know, Lake Mead and Lake Powell are drying up and will not be able to provide water pretty soon for a large population of millions of people. And groundwater is being depleted in the Middle West that's pumped up from way below ground now to water crops. And we have a severe drought over much of the West and floods in the East. But... Either way, you wind up with problems, either floods that wash out crops or, or uh, drought that kill crops. Either way, there's not going to be much to eat. So we have sold most of our grain reserves now, and we are in the process of selling our oil reserves. Uh, so they're going to become very, very scarce. So our reserves are being sent away by our own government so that when these crop failures hit and water failures come, there'll be no way to cover it and people are going to die of thirst and starvation. 
So God says he's going to take it all away. The mighty man and the man of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, and the ancient, the captain of fifty, the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator, anyone who is anything in society, maybe then, uh, and I shall give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. So no matter where you are, and how important you may be or think you are, uh, he says our country is going to be taken over by children and babes. Now, that can be realized on several levels. We have a generation of kids that are now chronologically adults who are still children, and we also have little kids who rule over their parents and rule over society. So there's that aspect of it in a physical way. But it also means that those leaders that we have over the nation are still children and babes in terms of maturity, in terms of capacity to rule over. Uh, and you look at what we have in Washington today, and it's pretty pitiful. Where do you see a mature leader of any kind? We've got a lot of corrupt, thieving politicians is all we have. They're just as bad about taking from and stealing as three- and four-year-old kids playing and fighting over their toys. Uh, that's about the age they are in terms of spiritual, emotional, mental, and even societal maturity. And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Uh, the kids aren't being taught respect for elders anymore. Uh, you know, 50, 60 years ago in this country, and even 30 and 40 years ago to some degree, uh, Kids were still saying, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. Uh, you don't see much of that anymore. Uh, they're just a liable to come up and kick you in the shin as to give you any respect. And the base against the honorable, when a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, you have clothing, you be our ruler. And let this ruin be under your hand. And in that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a ruler or a healer. For in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. So when God takes away the food and the water, and we've devolved to the point we are now, with authority being in shambles, uh, I saw an article just today that, where was it? Somewhere here in the U.S., and maybe it was a general overall statement, but it was in a particular precinct, I think, where they're saying that uh, if you're taken for rape or murder or any kind of these felonious high crimes, uh, you won't be put in jail. You will not have to pay bail anymore. You can simply walk away and come back for your trial. 
I'm sure all of them will probably recognize that as a wonderful opportunity, not having to sit in jail till trial, and they'll all, 100% of them, come back for trial. When pigs fly. But that's where we are in our country. There's no authority left. The police are being uh, fired or ignored. And what, what motivation do police have when they know if they work themselves to the bone and endanger their lives and arrest somebody and they know that as soon as they take them in, they'll book them and turn them loose to go out and perpetrate the same crimes over and over again, what motivation do they have to endanger their lives? None. So society is breaking down very, very rapidly in front of our very eyes. And nobody is respected anymore. The young to the old, the old to the young, uh, it's just gone. And nobody is going to want to be in a position of authority or leadership pretty soon. Things are going to get so much worse without criminals being locked up. or They quit executing them pretty well a long time ago. Now they're going to turn them loose. Uh, what's to stop the crime? Nothing. People will just go crazy. And who would want to rule that? Who would want to be appointed over that? For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the eternal to provoke the eyes of his glory. So make no mistake, this punishment is coming from God. Now he has turned most of it over, I think, to Satan and his demons who affect the human leaders of the world very greatly. And it's just going to get worse, but God is behind it, just like he was with Job, just like he was with a lot of things that occurred, and Satan's always ready to be turned loose, to be allowed to do the things that he wants to do, and that God has held him back from doing to some degree. But it is God's judgment on our people. Oh, we did have a, a new king uh, this week, uh, King Charles III, and he has already avowed as a globalist. He gave a speech not too long ago, which I recounted to you, where he said that the new leader of the world will need a trillion dollars and a huge army. Those were his ex pretty much his exact words in a speech. Now, whether... He thinks he's that or not, uh, maybe, but I think he knows who it is. I have no doubt that by now, the billionaires of the world and those who are elite in this New World Order thing that's going on uh, know who their leader is going to be. I'm pretty sure they've sorted that out by now because it isn't far off. And for it to be an Israelite would be a strange thing, if Charles is indeed an Israelite, I presume he is, uh, but he's in on it. He knows what's going on, and he knows how it will happen, 
So, uh, he's not Elizabeth II, but she was a New World Order globalist as well. Of course, maybe I'm cynical, but it's even gone through my mind that this thing is getting so close that they needed the Queen out of the way and for Charles to take over. And uh, whether they had a pillow over her face or not, I don't know. She had a, an audience with somebody three or four days before she died and seemed to be in pretty decent health at the time. So who knows what happened? I'm not making an accusation there. But strange things are going on in this world. The show of their countenance does witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom, they hide it not. Woe to their soul, for they have rewarded evil to themselves. Now, how open now is any kind of homosexuality, any kind of perversion, uh, just right out in the open. It's being bragged about by Hollywood, and even those in Washington are not trying to hide it much anymore. They were a little embarrassed when the Epstein thing came out and did him in, but uh, it's getting where it's just more and more open and openly declared. And the rulers are the ones who are loosening the bands on it, saying it's okay. You can do this, you can do that. I have some guests right now from the Netherlands and they are under more tyranny already than we are in Europe, but they're still not really aware of what's going on. And I mentioned that they're going to reduce the population of the earth by 90%, and the one fellow says, well, that's a theory. Uh, I said, well, it's not really a theory. Uh, some of the billionaires are now announcing it openly that that's what they are going to do. Europe, it appears, is going to get very, very cold and hungry this winter, and it may happen here as well. This thing's coming. When it gets as open as Sodom, and they don't hide it, uh, Hollywood doesn't hide it at all. They brag about it. Woe to the wicked! It shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. That which he has stolen will be taken from him, in other words. There, what goes around comes around. And then he talks about his people, Israel. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Some of the most prominent politicians now are women in our nation. And when a nation has gotten so bad that you don't have men who can lead things are in pretty bad shape. And that's what they were in the days when Rebekah took over in Israel anciently. Every man was doing according to his own will. Whatever he wanted to do, he just did. And it's pretty much that way in our nation today. And we have the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Hillary and occasional Cortex, what's her name, uh, the Uh, AOC, uh, whatever they call themselves, uh, who have 
strong voices in what's going on. And that is sad. Now, God says that's not to be. If children oppress them and women rule over them, that's not a good thing. Where are the men? Real men. There aren't any. They're just gone. This has been appearing more and more over the decades with the divorce rate going up and all the single moms and a lot of boys growing up don't have a strong male image to pattern after. So they become weak and insipid and perverse and perverted. O my people, they which lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. So, children, that is, immature adults, and women ruling over us, are destroying our society. So, it's, it's against not only the women here, but the men-children, who should be adults and who should be mature, but they're acting like children. So, we have no leadership, in other words. The Eternal stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. Well, isn't Isaiah doing that right here? Pleading. This is God's Word. You know, people just don't realize, they have no clue who they even are. Do we grasp that? I talk to people like these people I mentioned. They have no clue that we're Israel. Now, you look at the royalty of Europe... And they all trace themselves back to David, right? They say, we're in the line of David. Well, duh, doesn't that make you an Israelite somehow, somewhere, some way? But somehow there's a disconnect. And they don't know who they even are. So you read these things to them and they say, oh, well, I don't know who that is. It couldn't be us. So it doesn't do any good to talk to them. How many really hearkened when the Church of God was telling people in one of our major booklets was who we are? And they didn't get it. Still don't want to hear it. Uh, the ministers don't across the country of the Protestant churches and here and there. You bring up that we're Israel and they think that's crazy. Steve Quayle, who puts up a lot of good articles and has a lot of good information... I brought it up to him, and boy, did he quash that in a hurry. I talked to him once in a while, and uh, he just doesn't get it. He's a born-again Christian, and that's all there is to it. I think I told you, I mentioned to him one time, well, I'm, I'm working at being a Christian. He says, oh, you don't have to do that. You're, if you're saved, you're saved. You're redeemed, and there's no problem. You don't have to work at it. And it made me wonder, does that mean he thinks he can... Cheat and steal? <laughs> what, what does that mean? <clears throat> anyway, the Lord will enter to the ju into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof. So the leadership is going to get full bore attention. They're selling us out, as we know. For you have eaten up the vineyard, and the spoil of the poor is in your houses. 
They're taking it away from the low class, the middle class, and putting it in their own storehouses. That's happening very, very rapidly as we sit here today, and people are getting much poorer. I read an article a couple, three days ago that said we need to be prepared for $50 hamburger because the drought is causing the ranchers to sell off a lot of cattle that are being slaughtered right now. So in a way, there's a surplus of meat at the moment, even though the prices are still going up some. But once they kill off those herds, uh, where are the replacement calves? Where are the animals to come along? So there's going to be a dire shortage of meat. And they're killing chickens and turkeys as fast as they can. Uh, they shut down and killed three million chickens at an egg-producing place this last week. Uh, they produce, all they do is produce eggs, not to send to the grocery store, but to replenish the flocks of chickens that do lay eggs. So there's three million layers uh, that give fertile eggs that can be hatched that are just simply gone. It's all being removed very, very quickly now. So they beat us to pieces and grind us uh, with inflation roaring now. And then he talks about our populace, not just the leaders. Moreover, the Eternal says, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and want eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Do you ever hear a high, pair of high heels going down a hallway? Tinkle, 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 tinkle. But, I mean, however he expresses it here, and it's in ancient King James language, and I don't even know what some of these things were. This was translated in 1611, and they had different accoutrements for beauty than they do today. But the overall context is of vanity, ego, uh, physical beauty, and depending on those things rather than character. Haughtiness, pride, uh, declaration of beauty, and so on. It's just about the physical. Therefore the Eternal will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Eternal will discover their secret parts. And a lot of their dress today shows as much as they dare to show. And God says he's going to send in an army that's going to take it all off of them, and it'll all show. <laughs> so, the attitude that is there is going to cause all these things to happen. In that day, the Eternal will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet and their calls and their round tires like the moon and all these different things that we dress up with today, the ornaments of the legs and the headbands, the tablets, the earrings, nose rings, chin rings, eyebrow rings, nipple rings, uh, tattoos, you name it. It's all coming off. The glasses and the fine linen, the hoods, the veils. And the result then is, it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell, there shall be stink. The perfumes, the fancy things that are used as beauty aids will be gone. There'll be no water to bathe. 
and the stink of dirty bodies and diseased bodies is going to be horrible. Instead of a girdle, a rent. If you got any clothes left, they'll have holes in them. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. We're already seeing a little bit of the baldness, aren't we? Uh, some women are losing hair pretty fast and have to wear artificial. And then we have cancer going around and people are being shaved bald uh, or have go bald because of the treatment. So we're, we're here. It's just getting worse and worse. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty in the war. So the women are going to have all of these physical things taken away that they depend upon. And that's what women in our society are all about, is how you look. That's all being taken away. Her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. So man and woman are both going to be taken away. This coming war is going to be a cakewalk for the ones who come here after us. We're going to be weakened by civil war. Our military is being dismantled and destroyed right before our very eyes. Uh, they quit production of the F-35 jets because the parts come from China. And now they're kicking people out of the military who refuse the shots and for being Christian, and all kinds of things are happening to destroy the military. Obama fired most of the men who were actually capable leaders, and they've got sissy women men in there running things now. The American military is almost gone, and now we're sending most of what we still have over to Ukraine uh, to get used up. Chapter 4 then uh, gives some excitement and hope. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. Now, so far... In this book, I haven't emphasized it. We did last time we went through it some years ago, uh, how this is affecting the church because of the lack of leadership and because the people were not what we were supposed to be. But now it's on a national level, and it's happening all over again. You and I are experienced veterans. We've seen all this stuff happen in the church. And now we can sit back and say the exact same thing is happening in the nation, and we're expecting it. We know where it's headed from here because we saw where it went with the church. So there's nothing left. But he goes back in context here, speaking, well, ultimately of the millennium to some degree, but the context shows it's talking mostly about the church here and what's left of it. There's seven, you know, in the book of Revelation uh, that he addresses, and that's an end-time prophecy. All seven exist today, and they're pictured as women. Seven women will take hold of one man. Now, God is going to appoint one man 
to be the leader. And that's where they're going to turn. And they'll say, well, we have clothes, we've had food, but we're left without leadership. We're alone out here. And most of the church would have to say that today. Some still attend some places, but we are a shame and a reproach for the most part. So all seven churches will take hold of one man. And that day shall the branch of the eternal be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. <coughs> so not the nation, because it's going down as we've been reading. But some are going to escape, and they're going to go to Jerusalem and Zion, and there be led. Now, when it says the branch here, uh, it's referring to Zerubbabel, as mentioned in uh, Zechariah 3, where God says he will reveal his servant, the branch. So, Zerubbabel, in that sense, is a type of Christ who ultimately is the branch, but he is being represented by a human as a type. And, of course, I've always said that's not limited you and I are here to be like Christ. We are types of Christ as well. We are to walk like Him, talk like Him, act like Him, uh, to be as much like Him as we possibly can. Walk in His steps and talk as He talks. We don't give offense or take offense. Both are against the rules. So He is going to send a leader... And he is going to come and dwell with us himself and direct that leader, as he says there in Zechariah 2. I'll come and dwell among you. So, at the time that you see the nation being destroyed and the mighty men and women falling, uh, God is going to call out members of these seven churches and bring them to build his temple in Jerusalem. And that's what this is talking about. Those that escape of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remains in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem that have the seal of God that are living spiritually. Holy people, that is, those who are following God, are counted to be holy. When the Eternal shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, wouldn't you say that that process is almost finished within the church? He's put us through an awful lot of judgment, an awful lot of burning, an awful lot of trouble and confusion, and there's not a whole lot left. He's purging us. And the Eternal will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion, that's where it's going to be, and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for upon all the glory shall be a defense. Now that's obviously speaking of the end of the age, 
the two witnesses, and the remnant church. Because in the millennium, you'll not need a flaming fire by night. Now, he tells us there in Zechariah that he'll be a wall of fire around us. And the same language here. These are not things that will be needed in the millennium. They'll be needed here at the end of the age because Satan and the New World Order are going to be trying to completely kill us all and destroy us. So we'll need a cloud and smoke by day to obscure us and a flaming fire by night to protect us. And God and Christ will be here and His glory will shine through and be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat. So Zion is located in the desert and the heat becomes pretty much unbearable, does it not? And without air conditioning and artificial heat and uh, cooling, we'd be in trouble. But God says He'll take care of that. He's going to put a tabernacle over us. Shade. And a place of refuge. A place of safety. And for a cover from storm and from rain. So we won't have to worry about that. It would be like being in a building like this one where the rain comes down but you don't get wet. And over in Zion and Jerusalem and the whole area will be a cover that God makes to keep the rain from hitting our heads. Now you say, without rain, then what do we drink? Well, you got Isaiah 35 and some really encouraging scriptures ahead of us here which show that there will be springs and lakes and rivers and probably the dew will come up from the ground like it did in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they didn't have rain there. Uh, everything got watered from below. And I think God is going to do the same thing here so that you still have water, but you don't have it hitting the top of your head. So this has to be an end-time fulfillment because in the millennium, the whole earth is going to have Edenic conditions. He's going to artificially create that ahead of time for his church who will be called a holy people in Zion and they will be used then as an example to the whole world of what it's like if you truly will obey and serve God. And they will say, oh, no thank you. We won't go for that. How could they be so stupid? Because the beast and the false prophet are going to do incredible miracles and they're going to give them food, and they're going to look to that. Satan is very powerful and very clever, and he will deceive the whole world. That's Scripture. Now chapter 5. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard, my well-beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now, he just told us he's going to turn things around, and he's going to make a very fruitful field. But in the meantime, there's a problem. And this can refer to the church as well, and he has already done to the church the things we're about to read about. 
And he's now going to do it, and is doing it already, to the nation. It's just going to get worse and worse. So he gave Ephraim a very fruitful hill, did he not? He made us the most prosperous nation on earth with all the things that we could possibly need. In Deuteronomy 8, 7, and 8, he says we'll have everything we need. God provided everything we could possibly need in this land. Western Europe as well, for that matter. In Canada. Australia. Wherever Israel is, but primarily the most would be given to Ephraim. That's Genesis 49. And we have been given more than any other nation, Israelite or Gentile. So he gave us a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it. He protected it, in other words. That's what a fence does, is protect. And gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. God gave us everything and natural resources here you could possibly need. And built a tower in the midst of it. Uh, in a vineyard, they built a high place so you could get up on top of it and keep the foxes out of the grapes. Because when the grapes start to ripen, the foxes would come in and eat it. We've been experiencing that here the last couple of weeks where the coyotes have been coming in and eating grapes. And we know because we found some scat from them that had grapes in it. So, God is describing some real things here. Made a winepress therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes. He gave it everything it needed to produce good grapes. And what has America done? We produce wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. Look at what you've done with what I've given you. Look at what this land was in the 1700s and 1800s and 1900s and where it's gone in the last 120 years, mostly. And today, you can't breathe the air, you can't drink the water, you can't eat the food without being polluted. It may be even killed by famine, I mean, by various diseases caused by all these chemicals that we've done. Woe to them that pollute the earth, he says in Revelation. That's what we've done. So he says, look at what I gave you, and look where it is today. What a mess. And now, listen to this. I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. Now, haven't we removed the border on our south end, and we're letting people come in here by the millions right now? In Texas, is. <laughs> Busting them up to Chicago and other places and turning them loose. They just go up there, stop the bus, open the doors and run them out. And then the bus goes back for another load. And now we're promising all those people coming in. It doesn't matter whether they're South American, Mexican or Afghanis, Afghanis or wherever they come from. We're bringing them in 
And they just announced a wonderful program. They're going to give them free interest on house purchases. They're going to let them have houses for free. Now, somebody has to pay the interest on the mortgage. Who do you think it's going to be? The people of the United States who are being oppressed, which we read about here. Take from those who have worked for it and built this nation and earned it and give it to millions of people who are coming in. So God's not protecting us anymore. He's allowing all these things to happen. The wall will be trodden down. Well, they're treading all over the Rio Grande and all over uh, the border west of it. They don't call them wetbacks there. They're called scratchbacks. They go under the, under the barbed wire fence instead of crossing the river. But it's the same. All the way from San Diego to Louisiana, they come across as they please. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged. But there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Now God is doing that right now. And we have severe drought across a great deal of our country. It will not produce much of a crop. We're going to be hungry people. Uh, India, the biggest exporter of rice in the world, just shot off all exports of rice, or of, uh, of one particular kind, and they've cut way back on other types of rice. So, the food system is simply shutting down. Now, God, again, is allowing man to do a lot of this. Much of the weather you're seeing across the nation and around the world is being geoengineered and controlled by mankind. And Satan has helped teach them how to do it. Right now, all around the earth, different places, they're showing these weird clouds that are shaped, that are colored like rainbows. And some of them making complete circles up in the sky and all kinds of weird shapes that are coming from the chemicals that are being sprayed in order to control the weather. Remember, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And he has the capacity to do these things to the natural weather, weather patterns that God made. So again, God is in this, and he's allowing it, and Satan and the leaders of the world, the human ones, are very willing to carry it out. Verse 6, For the vineyard of the eternal of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. If there's any doubt about who he's talking about here, he makes that clear. And he looks for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. What we see now is oppression. It's getting worse. You can't speak your mind because you'll be censored from the internet and all the social pages. You say what you want to say, and not only will it be cut off, but you'll be put on a list to be taken out when they do their martial law thingy. Uh, you're being numbered and named. 
if you say things on social media. Everything I say here is being put on tape and on the internet. And it's not too hard for them to look at our webpage and figure out what we're saying about what's going on. Because God says it, and I have to say it. You know, i, I got to give you the Word of God. And that puts me in jeopardy. That's okay. They can kill my body, but they can't kill the soul. <laughs> so, we're going to say it. And we're going to say it loudly, and in that sense, publicly, because it's out there for anybody who wants to look at it. And some of those who want to look at it are looking for anybody who would call himself a Christian or for anyone who would say anything negative about the government we have. And I say plenty. And I'm not going to stop. And God will protect us in it. Anyway, he looks for righteousness, but a cry of problems. Woe to them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. That's what we've done in the cities, is house to house, apartment to apartment, apartment above apartment, and field to field. There's hardly any space in between anymore where there's a possibility of people really living. Out here in the West, there's still quite a bit of space. But where people are gathered together, it's hard to find a place where you can be alone. Go down to L.A. and drive around looking for a place where you can be alone. Be real hard to find. In my ears, says the Eternal of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitants. He says, is it in this chapter, another one I'm thinking of, where he says, they'll build houses and not live in them. So they'll be taken out of them. And in some cases, they're already taking people out of houses and putting aliens in. I don't mean little green men from Mars. I mean people coming across the southern border. Ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath. And the seed of an homer shall yield an ephah. In other words, a very, very, very small amount is all that will be produced. We're seeing that. I told you last week about an area that produces 21 million or 221 million, I forget now, uh, bushels of grain. And this year they're at, what, 272,000, I figure. That's kind of the numbers he's using here. Well, this is real. Woe to them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, to wine and flame them. So, <laughs> even in all this destruction that is in coming and is already here to a degree, they're still just paying no attention drinking like they always did, going on about their business. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry is kind of the thing. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. So, they don't even know they're going to die yet, most of them. But they're still just going on and drunkenness 
and drug use is rampant across the nation. People so drugged and drunk they can't function as human beings. Dysfunctional families and dysfunctional people. And it just goes on, day and night. And the harp and the viol, the tabret, uh, and pipe and wine are in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Eternal, neither consider operation of His hand. God is just left out of the picture in American society today. Very little religion, very, very little true religion, and people are just doing as they please and going on about their business. Not looking at or caring about what God has made. Oh yeah, we're all worried about climate change. Uh, at least that's the official governing word. But nobody says, well, what are the laws of God? Didn't God make this earth? Didn't He put all this stuff here? How can we get in line with the way God wants things done? How long has it been since you heard a politician say that? I've never heard it yet. And I don't expect to. <laughs> Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. Now that's on different levels, societal, cultural, and becoming physical very, very rapidly now. Therefore, hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall descend into it. Hell is the grave. God says, because of the way we've been living, we're headed for the grave. Now, I tell that to people out in the world, and they say, what? Well, that's a theory. That's just a theory. No, that's the Word of God. <laughs> that's what that is. It's not just the Word of Bill Gates or Charles III or some Bushman or whatever, or Obamiac. It's God that says that. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled. The mean man probably means just the average person. Uh, and the mighty man as well shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Those who perceive themselves to be something when they are nothing. God hates pride and vanity. <coughs> but the eternal of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. So that gives you the direction that God is heading with this. These people will not humble themselves. Therefore, God is going to kill them and humble them. There is no pride in the grave. No thought in the grave. There's no selfishness in the grave. They're going to be killed. Nearly all. And then, resurrected, and they'll have a different attitude. God will be exalted when this is all said and done. So everything that's happening is leading toward the exaltation of God. Now the church is going to proclaim it, but the world is going to deny it and not exalt God. 
But when it's all said and done, and the church has been changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and the seven last plagues come, when that's over, there are people who will have a different attitude and be ready to give glory to God. So this is all prep work for worshiping God, is all it is. But it's a required prep work. Just like going through boot camp is required to become a military killer. And God is putting these people through a boot camp that's going to kill nearly all of them. Then, and not until then, shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe to them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. They just pull their sin along with them wherever they go. Whatever they do, the sin is there. And if it wasn't out in front of you, you'll drag it along behind you. Won't turn loose of it. But say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. <coughs> They're dragging their sin along not changing. And I think that there's some sarcasm in this. They say, oh yeah, let's see. Let's see what God can do. This was evidence when Christ was being killed. When they said, yeah, come on down from there. You're the Son of God. You don't have to die. Come on down. But he had a purpose. And that was to die for those people who were jabbing him, and for you and me who also jab him with our sins. So they mock God, and they'll mock the two witnesses of God. They'll mock the church being protected in Zion by God. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Everything is turned upside down and backward. How are you going to tell people what's wrong with what they're doing? The Supreme Court tried to get them to quit murdering babies. And yet now they're trying to find ways around it state by state, any way they can, to keep murdering our children. Planned Parenthood bragged recently that in the past year, they killed, them alone, 383,000 babies in one year. How sick can you get? Just how sick? You call evil good and good evil. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I'm not doing anything wrong. We're, I'm a good person. Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Don't tell me about how I ought to live. I want to get drunk. I want to snort cocaine. I want to take whatever drugs. Don't talk to me about anything else. It's my life. I'll live it the way I want to. I'm an adult. All right, then. If you're an adult, live like one. But they won't. 
which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Anybody trying to be righteous? They've already told us from Washington, D.C. that they intend to kill anyone who claims to be Christian. That's our own leaders that say that. Those women and child men. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their roots shall be as rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as dust. All the things that they thought they were blooming about and so beautiful is going to go away. Because they have cast away the law of the eternal of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. I am so thankful that here is a little flock who is not despising the word of the eternal. Some of these are pretty grievous words, aren't they? And yet you come here and listen to them being read. You could be doing something far more entertaining than listening to God's word. But you've decided to go his way. Now that's going to be good. They despise his word. Now you and I, by our very nature, tend to want to go against God's word. Because human nature is evil. Human nature is deceitful and desperately wicked. <laughs> so we have pulls within our bodies and minds to do things and say things and think things that we should not think. But we're not despising the word. We're here trying to hear it, trying to be encouraged, trying to be inspired, trying to be, trying to be corrected even, so that we will do what we know we need to do. That's a willingness and a readiness of mind, and God appreciates that. He appreciates you more than you even begin to realize. Everyone. Because you're willing to listen to his words. May struggle to keep them all, but we're willing to listen and try and work at it. And he appreciates that. Therefore is the anger of the eternal kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them. Now he's been smiting us. And he's beginning to hit a little harder and a little harder. And what we're going to see in the next three to six to nine to twelve months is going to get a whole lot worse than what we've seen to this day. And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss to them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. He says there at the end of Haggai, he's going to raise up Zerubbabel as an insight, as an ensign to the nations to carry God's flag, God's banner out to them and offer it to them and speedily. And those who are part of his inside work, which is very close now, are going to be given deer legs. They're going to be given energy. They're going to be given youth 
that they've lost, God is going to heal His people. And they shall not be weary, nor stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. In other words, they'll be dressed and ready to work. Got to build a temple. Got to build Jerusalem. Got to do these things. So God will give healing and power and strength to do those very things. Whose arrows are sharp and all their bows bent. Isn't the Word of God portrayed as arrows, darts for the wicked? Their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind. <coughs> God is going to send particularly the two out there and this is the way they're going to appear. They're going to come in great power. Not weak and insipid as we've been up till now, but with great power. Because God will give them power over water and wind and plagues and anything that they want to pronounce. And the, nation, the, the beast and the false prophet and Satan cannot stop them because they'll have the power of God. That's why he says there in Zechariah 4, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the eternal. And that's what he's describing here. All these scriptures fit perfectly together. Wheels like a whirlwind. Are they going to be conveyed by the chariots of Ezekiel 5? And even Isaiah mentions that down here sort of in the, the next chapter 6. They may not be flying airplanes. They wouldn't let them land. God may give them a chariot and they go from Zion out somewhere on the earth every day. And it won't take long to get from here to China. Boom. Just like that. So they can come home to Zion every night. And I believe that that will happen. And the reason I do is because he says Zion will be the example and God's people will be the example. A light on the hill to the world. And if they just went out and went from place to place, why would people tie it back to Zion? They wouldn't. But if they go out from there to a different city every day and come back every night, then they're going to see that Christ and his people are there and being protected and have a covert over them and a wall of fire, and they can't touch them. God has set it up so beautifully, and all these scriptures just fit perfectly together. Their roaring shall be like a lion. A lion puts fear in the heart of man when you hear a lion roaring and coughing. I've heard it in the parks in Africa, and it's, uh, it's quite an awesome thing to hear that. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe, and none shall deliver it. Nobody can save them from the plagues and the things that are going to be pronounced upon this world. Can't be done. And in that day they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. <coughs> you ever stand by the sea when there's a storm? And the waves coming in and crashing. I don't mean those two or three four-footers that you like to play in, but I mean 10, 20, 30, 40 foot 
waves coming in and crashing, and that's scary. This is going to be scary to the world. And if one look to the land, behold darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. So, you're going to have God's people roaring at you like lions, and then darkness, and people won't know what to do or where to go or how to escape. And finally, it's going to come to the seven last plagues, and they'll run to the mountains and try to hide from the wrath of God, as turned loose primarily by Satan and his demons. It's not a pretty picture for this world that God is laying out here. Why would you want to be a part of this world? Why would you want your friendship to be the world? Why would you want to go the way of the world and live like the world? Because we're human, and because we have all kinds of drives and desires and feelings and on and on. But when you read this, you think, wow, maybe I ought to follow God. Maybe I really should. And you work at it, and then your mind will take you somewhere not supposed to go. So you got to reel the thing back in and work at serving God and being like Him. That's what we are called upon to do. And we're to live together in love. That's the whole point of the whole thing, is that we give each other love and respect. So that some human being here might do something or say something offensive to us. What do we do? If we take offense, we're playing in a Satan's hand. That person might offend us. Well, so what? Or do something offensive toward us. But Christ is our answer. It is His blood that forgives us. And whoever it is that offends us can't hurt us. Our salvation comes from God. So you just have to let things be as they are. People are imperfect. Every one of us is imperfect. And despite being told not to give offense, we will. He tells, don't give offense to anybody. But blah, 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 we say things, we do things that hurt people's feelings. <laughs> and then instead of forgiving, as they should, they let their feelings hurt, and then they walk around with their feelings on their fingers and shoulders, and that's ungodly. So somebody does something ungodly toward you. How much good does it do then for you to become ungodly to them? Then you're all wrong. Everybody's wrong. So, I suspect within the next week or ten days, if not yet today, someone will say something that slights you, or you feel puts you down, or hurts your ego, or tells you, Man, how'd you get so ugly in such a short time? Whatever. And you will tend to be offended by them. They're not God. They're just human beings. Hopefully they showered this morning. But they're human. And every human makes mistakes. 
I do, you do. And God says, don't let those things bother you. But we do. We have to live together in love. And to do that, since sin abounds, we have to be forgiving. Now, somebody may do something to us that's really bad. They really might. And they are to be blamed. But if they go in and they pray and ask God to forgive them for being so stupid, then you need to forgive them as well. That's what we do with each other. Because God said, live together in love. Don't let sin divide you. Isn't that what he says sin does? It divides us. What has divided this country? Sin. What divided the church? Sin. What could divide us as a congregation? Sin. So we all go to God and ask for forgiveness. And you know, there are a lot of times you can offend somebody and not even have a clue that you did. You might ignore somebody because you've got to get to the bathroom now. And they don't know you needed to go to the bathroom now. They just knew you walked past without speaking. They don't like me. Didn't speak to me. Maybe they were afraid to. They wouldn't get to the bathroom in time. Maybe they didn't sin at all. But you misread them. And then, what if they did sin? Well, they have Christ's blood. But if you take offense at their sin, then you need Christ's blood. Because he told us, don't do it either way. Don't offend and don't be offended. Wow, what a tall order that one is. But if we're going to do what God says, right here in Isaiah, so that we're not like the world that's out there, then we have to make adjustments. And that's why I thank you, and God thanks you, for being a people who are willing to listen and willing to change thoughts, attitudes, words, approaches to get in line with Him. Because that's all Isaiah is about. That's all this whole book is about, is for us to get in line with the attitudes of God. So whether he's talking to the church primarily, or talking to the or the people of Israel or the world primarily, whoever he's speaking to at the moment, it all applies to me. It all applies to me. Every one of us needs to take every word that's in here and apply it to himself, not say, I know who that's talking about. It's talking about you and me, is who it's talking about. So let's go on and be a light to the world, instead of having these dire things happen to us that have happened to the church and we didn't fully learn, and now are going to happen to our nation, and I hope we're learning, and we stay away from this world and follow God and live together in peace and love, so much as is within us, as Paul said. Come <laughs>